You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. All right, Global Trade This Week is live and kicking. We're coming to you another weekly edition of your favorite show, Transportation, Logistic, International Trade. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Doug Draper. On the other side of the coast is uh, my good friend, phenomenal co-host with some amazing halftime discussions, Mr. Pete Mento. Pete, how you doing today? I'm good, buddy. I'm worried about you. It sounded like you needed a moment to, like, who am I? <laughs> who's, who's this jackass in the other video? Like, I don't know. Are you forgetting that we do the show every week? Is something? No, it was, it was a moment. So... The countdown, so our audience knows whenever the two of us are split screen, there's a countdown, six, mm -hmm. seven. So the countdown's going, and then you're jacking with your camera, so things are sideways, and you're making all these weird noises. And I'm oh, like, yeah. is like that going to stop the exact moment when the countdown hits zero and the red light turns on? So um, that was the, uh, the the hesitation there uh, out of the gate. But I'm I'm good. It's Monday. We've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. It's 99 degrees in Colorado, so all is right with the summertime. Doug, which one of us has it worse when we're when we're away from the uh, Fresno or Newark? Which like where would you rather end up? Where would you rather be? I'm thinking Fresno. Um, you know, I don't know. I was thinking Newark. <laughs> really? Right, first of Maybe. all. Fresno's fine. It's really growing on me. It's not that bad of a place. People uh, give it a, a, a bad, a bad rap. But as far as like the peripherals around Newark, there's nothing around Fresno. Well, uh, we got you got the national parks a little, a little ways away, so I shouldn't say that. But Newark, I mean, boom, you just go over and you're in Manhattan yep. and uh, and everything. So I guess yep. I'd pick Newark. Yeah, I think you probably got something there, man. It's just, uh, it's still California, you know. Like California rules. I mean, we should switch. You come to Newark for work for a week, or we'll do them together. You know, you come to the East Coast, and I'll come out to Fresno for a little bit. Um, I am back on the road. I'm starting to be back on the road. So um, next week, uh, I think I'm going to be in Boston for a few days, and then I think I actually have to go to Minneapolis. Mm. And then the week after that, I'm in Grand Rapids. I'm speaking um, at the at Michigan State uh, for a I forget exactly. I know what I'm talking about, but I I know it's it's like a big. And then I'm like I'm speaking in Charleston. I'm speaking in Virginia. I'm speaking. It's like you know they got a they got a dancing monkey again. So let's go dance yes. monkey dance. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and buddy. then uh, one of those trips is going to find your way out here to the uh, the great state of Colorado. Yeah. What, what, what's Colorado? The Rocky Mountain State? Is that is that what they're calling it? Centennial. Centennial? That's kind of stupid, Doug. Eight, I mean, no, 1876. That's when the, the state, so 100 years after the yeah, founding but, of our country. New Hampshire is the granite state, you know? California is in California. Like the sun, no, Florida is a sunshine state. And um, New Jersey, oh. I think, is the sucky state. I think that's, <laughs> that's what actually, that's the garden state. Garden State. Garden State. Yeah. Golden Gate. Never, thing. never underestimate the drawing power of the Garden State, Doug. Yes. All right. Mm. Well, hey, man, let's rock and roll. Let's get into this thing. What uh, I let off, so you get topic number one. Well, topic number one this week is uh, it's a three-letter it's a three um, trade deal that 
most of us thought would never get to talk to or have to talk to about again, and that's the TPP. So a long time ago, a long time ago, Doug, when the Earth was still green, the um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership was an idea that really was hatched to try to find a way to cut China out of the regional trade that was going on in Asia and to increase the visibility of the United States while also giving just unprecedented access to Asia Pacific and Asian countries to the United States marketplace. And it was not necessarily the idea of the United States, but we definitely drove it, you know. Um, and then when it came time to sign on it, President uh, Trump decided, nah, just, why don't we do that? Like, why, why, would we, why would we actually join this thing? It's not enough in it for us. No. And um, just, just the, um, I think it's soybeans and corn alone would have been like $155 billion uh, over the course of 10 years or something crazy like that. I mean, we, we really missed out. So now mm -hmm. it's kind of gone on without us. And Japan has become the, the leading nation as, as far as getting people together, um, fostering conversations about how to grow it. And they've really, they've really taken on that leadership role when really, honestly, man, it should have been us. So in Seattle this week, the uh, APAC countries are all coming in. You know, it's probably like a Shriners convention. Everybody's coming on out to Seattle. And the, the TPP is going to be up again. They're going to start talking about it again. And does the United States have any interest in reengaging in this massive, massive partnership? So it's rearing its ugly head again, Doug. I, I think that... I've always believed the TPP was good for the United States. That's just because I'm a nerd, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's not a opinion that's well held by a lot of people in Washington who believe that there's just not enough in it for us. Trade agreements sometimes should be more about getting stuff done than worrying about who's got the upper hand. And just by saying that, I feel a small part of my soul die. But um, that's the case, Doug. And I think we're asking too much on something that could be so much for us. Mm. Well, um, I was talking to somebody this morning about the old adage, if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, things kind of just don't seem to happen. Um, yeah. And conceptually, it sounds great. Um, I think that there's just not a whole lot of, uh, of tangible that could come out of it, right? I mean, you and I could debate all day long about the pros and the cons. Initially, I, I was like, well, that was just a reaction to Trump to, uh, to crush the dreams and hopes of a prior administration, which could have Maybe. some relevance. And, and some <laughs> yeah, it could. Yeah, could. It could. You got a great point, Doug. It absolutely could have just been like, nah, I don't think so. I think yeah. it was like, you know, not even the first hundred days. I think it was like the first hundred hours that uh, the kibosh was put on that. So it seems yep. kind of like what's going on. But if you take a step back and you do individual negotiations with countries, I think they're more Ugh. targeted, um, more specific and could uh, be more beneficial. So I, I don't know. There is strength in numbers, right? But I think the more people you get involved, there's a lot of um, c conflicting interests, maybe the wrong word, but um, things may not be able to move as fast yeah. or benefit as it could on an individual basis. No, you're right, Doug. And the, the reason that's an important distinction to make is, you know, it, it's funny. Every week we put our names up as we as we join. You know, and I didn't plan this, but I, I said Henry Kissinger this week, you know, 
Last week I was Stan Marsh. I've been Santa Claus, you name it. But every week it's usually someone different. And one of Kissinger's, one of my favorite lines from uh, on diplomacy, his his famous diplomacy book, is um, diplomacy takes its time because it needs to, because there are so many things that could become problematic if you rush into it. <laughs> um, not everyone agrees with that, and certainly not uh, the Trump administration was more of a, eh. you know, when you've got all the momentum. And, and you're the and you're the, the biggest wallet at the table when the check comes. You should pretty much decide where we're going to go eat. And he kind of threw all that out the window. I guess time will tell whether or not it was a, a wise decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to jump into what mine. Got, buddy? Yep. I'm going to jump into mine here real quick. And I was, if I sent over these topics just a few minutes ago, I was thinking that. Both of my topics are kind of doom and gloom, which is I had a great weekend. I'm feeling good. The sun shines out, summertime. But I was like, man, these are kind of some negative topics. The first one, which I just had some news over the weekend, and we've talked about it several times, but there is tremendous relevance, is um, yellow and uh, the negotiations that we've talked about in the union uh, situation. So um the dumbed down version is yellow opted not to pay $50 million of a benefit payment that they were required to, to help for, uh, for the union and, and, and the, and the benefits and the payments, literally health benefits and things of that nature. Um, and central States fund is the actual name. That's who yellow did not pay. Um, and central States fund said, okay, we'll go ahead and extend benefits for one for 30 more days for one more month but yellow you, you, you got to pay that 50 million within within a couple of weeks so the strike has has kind of been inverted and i, I want to take a different perspective on this right so you, we got the here and the now and we're looking 15 feet in front of us about what's going on are they going to strike who's got the upper hand my bigger take on this pete is i think the writing's on the wall and and yellow it's kind of a dead man walking right in, in the sense for a couple of reasons. One is there is enough domestic capacity right now to absorb 100% of yellow's business between all the carriers, the regionals, the nationals, the super regionals. So it, it's not like there's going to be uh, a catastrophic uh, challenge with, with capacity. And the second one, which I think is more important, is that the, the, the duration of this conversation has been long enough that people have been able to prepare. And when I mean people, I mean the users of the service, the customers that need to move their product across the country and North America, um, as well as the service providers, the other LTL carriers. So they're like, hey, something's going on. We need to prepare. So there's plenty of capacity. And everybody, uh, shippers and other LTL companies have had time to adjust their networks and, and, and be ready for it. So if the button is pushed and there is a strike, is that going to have negative implications to the industry or is it going to be just horrifically negative indications to yellow? And even if they come to a resolution, is it too soon or is it too little too late? Hey, we fixed it. We're ready to go. And people are like, Hey, sorry. I just moved, I moved my stuff to another company because you guys were messing around and we're done. And then all of a sudden their volumes implode and then you're dealing with layoffs and other labor issues. And the thing just starts spiraling and six months from now, even if there is a, an agreement, what does yellow look like? And, and in, in my opinion, it's not going to be very good. And they are on a thin line, even with an agreed negotiation. So I think that 
Yellow's in a world of hurt, even if they do come to a resolution because of time that people have had to react and the natural flow of freight that there's a lot of capacity in the market. So I think they're in a world of trouble, man. They're the second person today whose opinion I treasure, Doug. Um, Thank you. That's, that said that, that said, talk about bad timing, right? Like just having a really hard run at it and then capacity drops through the floor and now you got to deal with this. And we're, we're an opportunistic business. We as a business follow opportunity where we see it to sell it. And then our clients are always looking for opportunities to do it faster, cheaper, better, you know, than what they're doing now. And it's not going to wait around for this. Our, our industry is not going to wait around for yellow to figure itself out. There might've been a time a couple of years ago, but right now I, I don't think they're going to. And I think that it's at the detriment of, of yellow. Um, you know, the same person said something to me. I, I hadn't really thought of, can you name another head of the teamsters? There's only one I could think of. That was Jimmy Hoffa, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's Hoffa. And then, then O'Brien, he has done an excellent job of getting out there. I think that most Americans know the case for UPS and yellow. I know they know it for UPS. Most, I mean, many Americans, people that aren't even in our industry, they, pardon me, they understand what's going on and that's his doing. And, and, you know, he's turned himself into a very visible mouthpiece still mr o'brien welcome on the show anytime yes um we will give you a complete access to say whatever is on your mind and our thousands and thousands of listeners and viewers would be happy to hear it i'm sure uh but you're not hearing that from the opposition you're not hearing they're not they're not effectively using social media and effectively using what really has become a common a common town square like twitter to make people consider anything but the fact this is probably going to go down yeah to make people move doug yeah it's interesting and twitter will no longer be twitter it'll be x right that's right coming out yeah (laughs) black x so awesome here's um halftime we got a good one for you um of course the show and halftime is brought to you by cap logistics if they weren't here, we wouldn't be here, Pete. So I always have to say right. thank you to, to that group and Keenan uh, for making it all happen. So caplogistics.com. Um, with that, let's jump into halftime. Um, I'd say you're first. I'm first. You, you, you're, you're call, my friend. Yeah, let's let's, uh, let's jump into a new segment. I need I need Keenan. Now I'm going to admit I, I stole this from a local radio show, but we did take the Ozzy Osbourne "No More Tears" song and turn it into a. Um, Peter's tears, right? Right. It needs to. We need to turn that into that because this is going to be a reoccurring thing, where I'm going to tear certain things. And this week there are five tears. Lowest tier being number five. Highest tiered being number one, candy, Doug. All right. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, I want to make it clear. If it's not chocolate, it's not making the list. It's not even in the fifth tier. You can take your Sour Patch Kids and your Starburst and you can shove them up your nose because I, that is not candy. All right. And now this is ironic, Doug, because I do not have a sweet tooth. Mm. I am, I'm not a dessert guy, but I, from time to time, I do enjoy the candy. And I'll tell you, the bottom tier, so our infielder tier, anything that is chocolate and mint, it's at the bottom tier. 
uh, I will only eat it if it's like comes with a check or something. I could care less. Like um, I'm even over junior mints, like the whole concept. It just tastes like mouthwash. So mm -hmm. that is on the bottom tier, as is um, practically anything with nuts. There's some exceptions, okay? But chocolate and nuts together, no good. Now, uh, fourth tier, these are great candies, but they're not, they're not Hall of Famers, okay? So we're talking about most of the M&M's family. There are just too many flavors to really get into. Um, mm -hmm. In the fourth tier, I'm also putting the, um, the Simpsons candies, Butterfinger, Baby Ruth, that's also <laughs> there. Local favorite in New England, Charleston Chew, also in the fourth tier, solid candy. Um, the third tier, these are um, these are greatness. Okay, so this is this has what it takes. Um, first team All American kind of stuff, and in that you're going to get um, anything basically that's a plain chocolate by Cadbury, um, lint, the lint balls, also like that as well. Um, but really, the, the exciting tiers are, are two and one. Tier number two, absolutely anything made by Reese's, anything, anything at all made by Reese's. The peanut butter cups, the um, the the sticks, uh, anything at all from the Reese's brand to make it into tier two. I'm also going to put plain Hershey bars. Mm. You have to, as much as I love chocolate, I'll admit, not the best chocolate, but but a good Hershey's bar out of the freezer, it's a thing of beauty, my friend. Um, also, anything that uh, that falls into the chocolate and caramel category, like Rolos, Twix. I'm putting Twix here as well. But for number one, right on the top of the tiers, the Dove individually wrapped chocolates, top of the tier. Uh, and also, again, this is going to be controversial. I'm sure uh, I can hear the phone. The phone's going off as we speak about yeah. this. Uh, I, I cannot say enough about what I call the stoner candies of my youth. Um, that would be the zero bar, the Zagnut bar, the payday bar, um, not payday, um, uh, Mr. Good bar. These, these were, these were the kinds of things that we would get at the, uh, mini Mart that was also selling us beer when we were 16, when we would pick up a pack of rolling paper. So that goes into that top tier as well. Doug, um, where do you stand with candies? Don't, you know, don't think about them a whole lot, but, um, so to answer your question, where would score bar, right? That's the toffee and the chocolate. Where yes. does that, what tier is that in? Tier two and score bars are significantly better than Heath bars. They're just better, mm -hmm. much better. Yep. Got mm -hmm. it. I'm more of a, um, uh, not a hard candy, but I want, um, let's see, hot, to, hot tamales, uh, uh, cherry no. sour. No. No, uh, no, no. Gummy worms. Oh, this I'm a is gummy my halftime sucks because like <laughs> most of the time you and I can come to some kind of middle ground, but the fact that you would go sour and, and like gummy stuff, I just, I can't even stand to look at you right now. How could you say that? Are you the guy that goes to the movie theater and gets like jujubes and good and plenties and crap like that? No, Love I'm the guy that goes. Yeah, I'm the guy that goes to the movie and brings the stuff in my pockets, right? I, I bring it in. But when I'm when I'm in Fresno, Pete, I go to the Sprouts Market, okay, and I take the the bulk candy, the big scoop of mm -hmm. whatever their cherry sours are. I get like a pound of them, and I just eat them throughout the week. I'm a cherry okay. sour guy. My mom was too. No, it, it's just you're just wrong, Doug. You're so wrong. Um, mm. When I'm on the road, I go to Whole Foods and get my salads there, and um, 
that could be a whole other halftime sometime. The people I run into at the salad bar at the Whole Foods. Guys just reeking of petroleum oil and peace, you know, and mm -hmm. me. Yeah, but Doug, I'm sorry. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> okay. All right, what you All got right. for halftime, buddy? All right. Well, mine is related to uh, the film that everybody, films uh, plural, that everybody's been talking about. And the funny name that has been come up, um, Barb. <laughs> Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Yes. Barbenheimer. Yes. I think it was 155 million between the two, or maybe it was 155 for Barbie only. I can't remember, but biggest box office since the uh, Avengers pre-COVID. So, um, and that got me thinking. I'm like, what? What's it called when they mash all these words together? And it has a, a term. So. It's port. It's. Uh, I wrote it down to make sure it's portmanteau. Portmanteau, T-E-A-U. Mm -hmm. So there's got some some French in there. And so um, a couple for other examples. Let's say Brexit to be topical with our company. Bre you know, the British exit. Um, Benifer. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and everything. So I pulled a few things out of here. <clears throat> I am going to uh, read a few definitions and you got to tell me what they are right so uh, i won't throw you under the uh under the bag here so i am going to say uh let's see uh channel there's another one that's topical yep. i've taken it many times yep yeah work uh a word used to describe the channel tunnel that runs between the uk and france channel um let's see to take someone's car by force carjack yep yep um, to your halftime topic, someone who eats excessive amounts of chocolate. Chocoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, a close relationship between two men. Bromance. <laughs> this is like the uh, twenty thousand dollar pyramid. I got yeah, a couple. You and I, you and I would crush a game show together. You realize yeah. that, right? We would crush a game show. Like if there was competitive Pictionary, we would destroy it. The two of us. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, this one may be a little bit um, difficult for um, Let's see. Games or other forms of entertainment that have an educational aspect. Infotainment. Mm, edutainment. But, uh, edutainment. That's, that's yeah, that one. Yeah. That one was a little. Um, let's see. Ooh. Um, cosplay. Whoops. Hold on. That's what I was supposed to ask you. I'm going to get yeah. one more. Then I'm going to give you my, my, uh, my favorite one here. Um, to estimate without solid facts or figures. Guesstimate. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, <clears throat> we do that a little bit here on the show when we throw facts and figures out. <laughs> there, there is um, a purpose behind them, but I think there's some guesstimation that goes on. And then <clears throat> I'm going to give you my favorite one here. Hold on. A hybrid form of cutlery. Oh, spork. Do you know where the spork was spork, invented, Doug? Right. New Hampshire. No, in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. <laughs> yes. The spork, the clock, radio, Velcro, Granite State, baby. We got it all. Before we get off at of halftime, Doug, uh, I am a movie person. I love going to movies. I know that you are not as as much of a film dork as I am. Filmographer. There you go. Filmographer, <laughs> sure. Um, I went and saw Oppenheimer this weekend, and a couple of things I'll say about it. First of all, the, the theaters were packed. And I, I probably go to a movie a week. 
So that's, that's, and, and I've, I've been, I went all throughout the pandemic wherever I could. Um, I have not seen theaters packed. You know, you, you, ha you couldn't get seats together. I went to a place where you get your, you buy your seats ahead of time. So we mm -hmm. got lucky, but um, packed people on either side of us just packed. It was wonderful to see. Wonderful, wonderful to see. Second of all, if you've, if you've read the book, American Prometheus, uh, it is, it's incredible. I am, uh, I love math. I love science. Uh, and I love Oppenheimer, uh, the the person, just what he meant to this country. They did an excellent job of translating as much of the book as they could into like a three-hour movie. It's it's a sit, pal, um, when you go to see it. But they did an excellent, excellent job. And I'm going to go out, and I'm going to publicly say it, Doug. Um, Oppenheimer is now my all-time favorite movie. Whoa. Hold yes. on. Yes. Yeah, so it has replaced um, Lawrence of Arabia, which was my for the longest time my favorite movie. Um, it is it is it is dethroned that it is it is possibly the the best acted, best written, best directed, best scored, um, best filmed film I think I've ever seen. And mm. the use of sound, and the use of color, and um, the acting by by uh, Killian Murphy absolutely incredible if they don't if he doesn't win one if robert downey doesn't win one if um uh uh like oh god what's your, um i don't know uh one of was mary poppins if they don't win awards for this i will be shocked it is it is an absolute feast for the senses and it, it is a movie that will move you it will absolutely move you it's incredible and if you haven't read about oppenheimer I can't recommend the book enough, American Prometheus, and uh, it will change the way you see the world. The book and the, the <laughs> film, the film will, um, the film will absolutely blow you away. No huh. I haven't seen Barbie yet. Maybe Barbie will be better. I don't know, Doug. But uh, Oppenheimer is an absolute. I mean, it's a tour de force of filmmaking. It's wow. It's incredible. There you go. Yeah. You had it. Uh, you hear it first. I'm thinking like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure would kind of be on my my tier. So my question is: it better than that movie? It is, but Saint, Saint Demas High School football still rules, Doug. It still rules. <laughs> Good play. I yeah, love it. That is, that is such an awesome movie. That's one of those movies that, like, at two in the morning when I can't sleep, if it's on, I'll always watch it. Like Meatballs yeah. and Stripes. Like I will always, always watch Bill and Ted's. What a great movie. Yeah, awesome. Cool. All right. Well, let's shift back into gears and the purpose of the show, which is global trade uh, yep. we're talking about it this week so um i think you're up for topic number yeah. two so the head of the economic advisors to the fed and uh, gave a speech last week where he said that everything is great and, and there's no other way to put it right he said that there's nothing on the horizon that would appear to be stopping america's just incredibly well-fueled financial ascent that things are just great and there doesn't appear to be anything that's going to get in the way of that getting better it was, it was just like it was just like you know shiny happy people everything is awesome don't worry about it moment and he said that although consumers and americans may not feel that way they don't know what they're talking about because everything is awesome and um I, I did a little extra research. The consumer price index is ridiculous. We still have a problem with inflation. Americans aren't buying stuff, and our credit cards are all maxed out as a nation. 
And I just have a hard time saying to myself, everything is awesome. When, you know, guys like you and I work so closely to the supply chain, it doesn't feel like it is, Doug. Does it feel like it is to you? You know, I think big purchases, I'm talking like big purchases, like housing, to buy a home. I saw an article today. Um, yes, I actually get the paper, right? My wife got uh, cornered walking into the grocery store like a month ago to get the paper for, for whatever. And she's a teacher, so she's off off school so she thumbs through it to get to the war you know the the uh the crosswords and stuff like that and 90 percent of it's in the trash or recycling as i should say but um the headline was golden handcuffs related to home and, and, and buyers where you and i'm i am in that category an absolute killer um interest rate on my mortgage and um to move up and to do the next thing there's no way i could go from my my current interest rate which is 3.15 and buy a new house and have that thing jump to six and a half, seven percent. Um, and so there's some big purchases in my opinion yeah. that are still holding things back. Whenever you start having the housing, there's going to be a point Pete that, and if it drops to like five or five and a half, there is a tipping point where all of a sudden the housing market is going to explode. And if you're not ready uh, ready, set, go, you're going to miss out and housing prices are going to skyrocket again. But I think that until the interest rates come down a little bit, the whole point of all of this is to keep those big purchases under bay and get everything under control. But I would agree, I would agree with you that um, it's not all, um, you know, uh, it's, I can't think of a funny term to use, but it's it, it, puppy dog kisses and wedding cake. Doug. There you go. Yep, that's a good one. It's not yeah. all there for me quite yet. I need to buy a new car. So, um, you know, Charlotte is going to be driving and I told her she could have the Jeep and um, I'm going to have to buy a new car. Now, I was going to buy a new car not long ago, but I decided not to get a, a Bronco. And I'm, I'm telling my daughter she may have to wait because I, you know, I generally buy cars in cash and they are horribly expensive right now. Mm-hmm. And hard to find. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to finance anything. I'm also looking to buy a home soon, Doug. Um, you know, the magic number, according to economists, is 5%, right? Like like you said, if mortgage rates hit 5%, people are going to lose it and just start slinging houses all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but once that happens, you're probably going to see another period of time where they begin to descend again. So something to keep in mind is when you start seeing houses going all over the place, it's probably a precursor to a change in our economic future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, man. <clears throat> so I'm going to go back to my doom and gloom. Um, thing, uh, topic, theme, my doom and gloom theme for this week. Again, I had a great weekend. I don't understand why I'm so negative, but um, here's the deal, Pete. Autonomous trucking is pretty much dead. The the concept of let's come up with all these uh, self-driving trucks. Uh, it was an interesting blip that happened during the um, uh, the financial explosion, uh, the, the, the logistics log I think is what we used to call it, the amount of money that was pouring into the logistics industry uh, during COVID. But, um, you know, new technology and the innovators and the disruptors, um, all of those were getting noticed. Funding was coming out of the woodwork, and there was lots of interest and in talk about it during the pandemic. Um, but if you look around at all of the big players that were happening back then, they're either out of business or the valuations are 10% of what they used to be. 
So just a couple of them, a company called Auto, O-T-T-O, that was bought by Uber, and they pretty much shut that whole thing down. Um, Peloton Trucking, which was all about platooning. Um, they're no longer around. Starsky Robotics, they're gone. Um, a couple other ones where they've gotten IPOs or SPAC engagements for some funding. Um, they're just not doing very well. And um, in my opinion, the concept of an autonomous truck is still decades away for taking that into a commercial application. People still want to drive, Pete. I want to drive a car. I love being behind the wheel. And although I don't drive trucks, there's people that feel the same way about getting behind, you know, uh, a, a semi truck and, and having that control. Uh, other folks are scared of robots and what's going to happen and you don't have any control. Um, and, and it's hard to comprehend that. And then the liability and insurance around that of the what if you have to insure for the what if and the what if is intangible which means uh, you have to insure for the catastrophic because it's such an unknown. So I think all those factors, uh, the whole concept of autonomous trucking has come and gone. Are there going to be people that still tweak it and test it and do some stuff? Yes, but it's decades away. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of companies that were going to scat, uh, be catastrophic in their growth uh, are not coming back. And, and I think that whole industry is, is uh, going to cool down uh, and kind of be, uh, you know, a back page story moving forward. I, Doug, I was trying to remember, there's like a little company that's doing these cars, that's, or trucks is doing that. Um, oh, yeah, Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I I think they're still doing their autonomous trucking. There's another one. Um, oh, what's it called again? Oh, yeah, Daimler. Daimler Chrysler. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're doing okay. Ford Motor Company, General Motors. Fiat, Renault, Peterbilt, Packard. Um, yeah, they're all still in it, Doug. Yeah, I checked. And um, I don't know if you've checked out their stock prices, but doing pretty good. So yeah. I think that there's a difference between also ran technology companies that are just getting their lunch handed to them. That they didn't they didn't do anything. They they came up with some great ideas that they were unable to either protect or implement. And now these bigger companies are going to gobble up those ideas, not unlike the PC movement. Doug, don't throw dirt on that grave yet, pal. Don't mm. throw dirt on that grave yet. I, I hear you. I hear you. But I don't believe you. Mm. So I'm not going to go so far as to say you're wrong. I'm just going to say that I think we're, we're way too early uh, to, call, to call an end to this one, pal. If, if people in the Teamsters Union keep striking and causing delays, you're going to have a real easy time convincing supply chain people that drivers aren't really necessary. Mm. So yeah. uh, I, I, I feel you. I feel you. I hear, I hear you. I just don't <laughs> believe you. Yeah. So, All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll agree uh, to disagree on that one. We'll, we'll I see. Don't know if, I, if, I, if I fully disagree with you, I think that there, these are trying times for that industry, but I think that there are some massive players that just, they're not, Hey, giving up, buddy. They ain't yeah. Up. yeah. Well, they're going to so, chase the big players are going to chase the money, and the money is in electrification, not autonomous. And I think that's going to be that's going to take front and center for a while. I think the two go hand in hand, my friend. I think they mm. do. But we'll we'll see. Uh, I, I don't. Did you did, uh, before we break? Did you get Keenan's review questionnaire? You know, <laughs> like how am I doing for his annual review? Because I didn't get I didn't I didn't get one, and I was going to you know be a lot of one star crap this yeah. year. Well, that, that's like the thing the now. Peer, 
I think it's somebody told me that last week it's called 360 peer review oh, where not yeah. you know not only does your not only it's top down but it's it's peer review and everybody I've spoken to said the concept is great and some consultant is making a ton of money on it but the extra effort and and uh, and work that every one of the people I've spoken to whose companies embrace that is yeah. overwhelming yeah I'm not going to say what company it was I used to work for that did this really stupid thing, but we used to have um, calibrations of people's reviews because, you know, your boss doesn't know it well enough. So maybe you're, you're just not calibrating them enough and cal calibrating their review properly. And, and people would just come into these conference rooms and just like trash people's reviews. I don't think that's, no, you know, now that I look, well, have you ever worked with that person? No, I'm just, I don't think you're, you're looking at this. You have you have confirmation bias on certain things, yeah, because that person works for me. Um, needless to say, I didn't do very well in those calibration. Uh, <laughs> so uh, shocker. Yeah, um, you know, putting putting a, a bull in a china shop like me doing a peer three hundred and sixty review probably probably didn't go over very well. Um, mm -hmm. But in any case, so uh, all kidding aside, Keenan does an amazing job, and when one of us can't make it, he's he's a wonderful wonderful co-host. So um, as much as we like to snap at him, we couldn't do this without him or, or, or without Capital Just. We wouldn't want to do it without Keenan, frankly. No. Nope. So, um, yeah, we, we thank him. We thank everyone at Cap Logistics. To learn more about Cap Logistics, visit caplogistics.com. I think it's worth noting, Doug and I don't work for this company. We work for competitors, as a matter of fact. But we're on here every single week. We believe in them. We thank them for the time and the effort that they put into us, and we couldn't do this without them. So hats off to Cap Logistics, and I guess kind of my hat off to Keenan, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Good. So hey, Doug, that, that's, a, that's a very generous uh, co a comment to clarify with everybody, like, why are all these different company names up there? So I'm glad you called that out. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing. I, we could have a pretty exciting announcement soon about, about uh, you know, a live show. And I think we'll probably end up talking about that in the coming weeks. But you're going to have Doug and I in the same same airspace. And um, we'll see if Keenan can get his hair out of his face, and maybe we'll get him on there too. Yep. Cool. All right, man. Well, thank you all for joining us. Thanks to uh, Keenan in the booth. And we'll see you again next week for another exciting edition of Global Trade This Week. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, Pete. Good to see you.